so happy so happy we don't serve a part-time God amen he's not just good once in a while and he goes on vacation all the time he's good all the time amen amen he's wonderful isn't he did you enjoy the service this morning amen I sure did thank you brother Ed and for yielding himself amen and thank you to you all for pulling Amen. It's not just the man up here. We heard it this morning. I'll say it again. But you have a part in it. Without you, it just, I might as well stay in my office and just study anyways because it'd be the same. It takes you to pull it. Amen. 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 We're so happy to be Christians. I just want to give a little testimony tonight. Of, well, it's a big testimony, really. Sister Elisa Steves, she writes in. and uh, She just wanted to write. Says she wanted to give God the praise for his healing mercies. To her and thank us for her prayers, for our prayers and love to her. And amen. And she said early summer in 2019, she had prayer for allergy and specifically asthma symptoms, and she'd been suffering for the past few years. She said, I may have used an inhaler medicine, medicine once since that time. Amen. Also, the need for allergy medications has significantly reduced. Amen. And that's just the start. She says, I've also been suffering bacterial infections three to four times a year for many years, 
but I had prayer for this issue also, and I haven't had one since February of 2019. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And she says, I also had prayer against depression symptoms, and God has provided a great healing and answer in that area also. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good, isn't he? Amen. Well, the musicians are still up here, and I kind of feel like singing more. So Sister Elisa put it on her note, and Brother Ed mentioned it, and it's kind of here. So she says her last comment is, our God is tremendous. Amen, isn't he? Amen. When I'm in need, I call on the Lord, and he hears me. Yes, he helps me. He is faithful and true. He won't forget his own. He's my companion and my best friend. The only true God. There's no one greater, a wonderful Savior, Jesus, the Lion of Judah. Our God is tremendous, His strength never failing. He'll go through the fire just to save a sinner. He is almighty, He sends His angels to guide me. Simplicity revealed in you and me Came down from his glory And gave us a victory The greatest love story When you're in need oh, When you're in need Just call on the Lord He will hear you He can heal you He is faithful And true Won't forget his own He can be your companion your best friend, the only true God. There's no one greater, our wonderful Savior, Jesus, the Lion of Judah. My God is tremendous, His strength never failing. He'll go through the fire just to save a sinner. As He is almighty, He sends His angels to guide me. No storm too powerful, my God cannot handle. God in simplicity revealed in you and me. Came down from his glory and gave us a victory. The greatest of stories. And when you're in trouble, Jehovah Nissi, the great enforcer, I'll see only will fight your battles. Oh yes, he will stand for you. Loves a paradox, just stay in your position and watch the miraculous come into action. Oh, our God is tremendous, his strength never failing. You'll go through the fires just to save a sinner. He is almighty, just for us. There is no storm too powerful, our God cannot handle. God in simplicity revealed in you and me came down from his glory and gave us a victory. 
Blessed be your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, my. When one's hurting, it affects us all. But when one's rejoicing, we want to rejoice with them. We want to lift our hands to it. Say, thank you, Lord. You're tremendous. You're wonderful. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for the song service, Brother Jeffrey. I was wonderful. I love that song as I mentioned it before. And I just, oh, we need to sing that more often. Magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name forever. Don't let it be trodden down. The world, that's all they do. They trot it down, trot it down, trot it down. But we've got a responsibility to do it. Lift it up. Amen. It's a name to which every knee will bow. Every tongue will one day confess. But we've got a privilege. We've got an opportunity right now to bow down and say, Lord, you're worthy. Lord, you're wonderful. You pulled me out of the miry clay. You set my feet on a rock. As Psalm says, in a large room, not on a pinnacle, in a peak, some place that I'd fall instantly. But he put me somewhere where I could stand. On his grace. Hallelujah. Oh, our God is tremendous. Amen. Thank you, musicians. We better stop there. We'll sing all night. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together. We... Amen. Let's turn to John chapter 16. And I tried to get away from this scripture, but I just kept coming back to it. And especially with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law having a baby. I tried to get away from it, but it kept coming back to me. So here we are, John chapter 16, and we'll just start at verse 19. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together and ask the Lord. I would desire the Lord just to come by your way tonight. Say, Lord, we thank you for your presence, but now we want to hear your still, small voice. Heavenly Father, Lord, my own hand is raised, Lord. I was just looking to you tonight. Father, we sing your praise. We don't want to just get caught away in emotion, Lord, but we want you to come now, sweet spirit. Minister to the needs of your people. Lord, may you reveal yourself and unveil yourself in a greater way to us. Lord, help me just to get myself aside that you could speak freely. Lord, it wouldn't be any part Andrew, but it'd just be all the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I need thee, Lord, in this time. Help me, Lord, just to say the right words. Lord, to put it together rightly, Lord. For, Father, we're looking to you. This is your word. You know it from beginning to end and back again. Father, we put it in your hands now. We love you. We commit the speaker, the hearer, every aspect from here on out, Lord, we put it in your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. John chapter 16 and verse, verse 19. It says, And Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him 
and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves that I said, A little while, and you shall not see me, and again a little while, and you shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail with sorrow, or in travail has sorrow, because her hour is come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye, now, and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. And these things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. As that day, at that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me and have believed that I come out from God. I come forth from the Father and I'm come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. Amen. Let's turn back one page to John chapter 14 and verse 15. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, this is all scripture after Judas left. After there was a total separation from any unbelief, any sin, any perdition that was gone out of the room. This was Jesus to his 11 disciples now, the ones that believed. And he began to say to them many things. And now in John 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter that ye may abide, that he may abide with you forever. Amen. May the Lord have a blessing to the word you may be seated. Amen. I'd like you just to take notice in John 14, he, he, just a few words here where he begins to say that I will pray the Father. I'll pray the Father that he'll send you a comforter. There's something he's pointing out right away after Judas left in, in, uh, in John 13, the end of John 13. Then he begins to point out, I will pray the Father that he'll send another comforter. There's something he still had to do in this dispensation of a son. Now tonight, Lord willing, we want to speak on um, the, the unveiling of the Father through the ages. And we'll, we'll really start there. I... Lord willing, won't be speaking again for a while, so because I'll be gone for a couple weeks in Africa, so pray for me. But uh, as, I, as I'm going away and things, I won't be speaking here again for a while, so I might pack a lot in tonight. Is that all right? <laughs> Amen. We'll do our best impression of the Jewel Fournier. We'll just helicopter preach. We'll just go straight up and stay with me. All right? All right. You say Amen. Amen. 
Okay. So here he begins to speak and say, I'll pray the Father for you. In other words, there's something he had to do. There's a, something he has to do in this dispensation in order to usher in the next unveiling of himself. Because we know he was first unveiled. He was the Father. In the Old Testament, he, he came. He was the Father. He came in the pillar of fire. He, he came in many different ways. He was Elohim. He was Jehovah. Then he came down and God in Morphe, Brother Bannon would say, he changed his mask. He come down in the, in the dispensation of the Son where he come down and he began to reveal himself in that way where he was the word of God made flesh and he came in that way but now he says there's a changing of time there's a changing where right now he says I'm changing the time that I'll pray the father or that I will send in other words saying I will send my Holy Spirit the comforter back to you but then a couple chapters later he says in that day then I will not say I'll pray the father for you Saying in that day, I'm, it's no longer that I have to pray the Father for you because now it's my Holy Spirit in you. It's a different dispensation. It's a different time. It's a different unveiling of the Father. Because he says it's no longer just me and I'm speaking to the Father and I'm here on earth and you have the human part. But now it's, it's God himself and it's the Father himself loves you because you loved me. Because of the way you treated the Son. Because of the way you believed his word. The Father himself loves you. Amen. That he himself, and he says, because I go to my father now. Amen. But now, he says, Brother Branham would say, and who is this Melchizedek? He says, the stages of, of, of the eternal purposes he had in his secret has now been revealed. Notice there's still three stages to perfection. Guess that there's still three stages to perfection. He says, just like he redeems the world the same way he redeems his church. He redeems the people in three stages. Amen. This isn't new to you, but he says, now look, the first is justification, like Luther preached. Second, sanctification, like Wesley preached. Third, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's right. He says, then comes the rapture. Amen. Which the rapture is a process. But now he says, now the world, how did he redeem the world? The first, when he did, when it sinned, he washed it off in water baptism. Then he dropped his blood on it from the cross and sanctified it. He called it his own. And then what, did, what does he do as he tore out all the world out of you and renovated the whole thing by a fiery baptism of the Holy Spirit? He also will renovate the world. It'll be burnt over with fire and cleanse every germ for a million miles high. Everything will be cleaned off. And then there is a new heaven, a new earth, just like you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. And then when the Holy Spirit, that's when the Holy Spirit takes a hold of you. See, there you are. The whole thing is just as plain as it can be. Everything is in three. He begins to talk about that and say, God is revealing himself in three, in three stages to perfection. And then Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, everything in threes. It's God in Morphe. It's God revealing himself, God unveiling himself, God changing his mask, God unveiling himself in justification, God unveiling himself in sanctification, showing what everything was a work of the same Holy Spirit, but it was unveiling himself in a, in a, in a more progressive way with each time. No, as, as Brother Bannon would say, all that was in God, he poured into Christ. Right? All that was in Christ, he poured into the church. Amen. Bringing us back for the purpose of bringing us back to the true word bride that we were always predestinated to be. Now we go into this in the message spoken word is the original seed. We say, now watch the true bride. There's going to be one. Amen. 
Amen. So she's predestinated. She won't be denominated She's because she's predestinated. She don't have to worry about some denomination. She's already predestinated to take that place. Amen. God, by his foreknowledge, was able to predestinate. Whom he did foreknow. Amen. But we find that he did these things. He predestinated you. He said, look, like Mary, I want you to get this and don't fail. Are you ready? He says, listen, when Christ comes to his bride, she will be a virgin like Mary was. For God will not bring Christ through the womb of a whore. And neither will he bring the bride. Neither will he bring the bride. He can't bring his word through a whore of his word. He can't bring, uh, uh, he, he goes into it in the message, being to talk about how the bride originally they, they fell into and they, and they uh, committed fornication and through the, the Catholic system and where they, 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 they accepted the, the, the Trinitarian doctrine. Where he says, Brother Branham says, what was it? It was that the bride had split their own, her own husband into three in order to appease her idolater um, um, uh, fornicators. In order to appease them, that he, she accepted a Trinitarian doctrine to say, oh, we're all the same. The same thing, Balaam. We're all the same. We all worship the same God. He says, that's not what it is. But there will be a bride that is predestinated. Amen. That is, that is the true word bride predestinated to this where she will not fall that way. He says, the true bride like Mary will have a virgin womb for the bride of the word. It says, which is Christ. When Christ, the word, comes to the bride, she'll be the same as he is. A virgin by the word. Amen. Now listen, he says, I hope you understand. What was he? The word, the word of God. Jesus was the word of God. Upon his vesture, he had a name written, the word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He is God. God is the word. And when his bride comes, she'll be the same product that he is, virgin to the word. See, did Christ belong to a denomination? Did Jehovah belong to a domination? He says, no. He says, neither does the bride. She's part of him. She needs no dogma. She, she don't have to worry. She'll be absolutely virgin. How? By the word, she'll punctuate every word of God with an amen. And an amen. Oh, be it unto me according to thy word. Notice it's not a verbal, just an amen to that, amen to that, and preaching and, and listening in the house of God, saying amen to every word that comes over the pulpit. But no, it's be it unto me. In other words, let me live it out. Let my actions prove that I'm what I'm saying, amen. My life is lining up with it. He says, that's the virgin bride. He says, be it unto me according to thy word. The same way Mary did. She didn't just say, oh, that's wonderful words, angels. Praise be to God. Some wonderful lady's going to be blessed. No, she said, be it unto me. Make it personal. Let the Holy Ghost overshadow me. Let the Holy Ghost impregnate me with the word of God. Let me be a virgin by the word of God. Hallelujah. Have a virgin womb. What will she come out of? A virgin womb. The word. What did Jesus come out of? A virgin womb. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. She'll be a virgin and she is today. He's preaching this in spoken word as the original sea, which is 1962, where he's preaching this rain and he's beginning to say, the latter rain has not yet come and it's coming. But then we find in the coming of the seals, it was the latter rain now beginning to pour out to do what? To impregnate the bride or to bring life to the seed that was in the bride. To bring life to the seed word that was already put in her. Praise be to God. 
He says, that's actually the difference. He speaks about it in, in spoken words, the original seed. I'm way off my notes now, but that's fine. You're pulling. So we find that, that in spoken words, the original seed, he breathes to bring out. See, that's the difference between the wise virgin and the foolish virgin. Because the foolish virgin had the seed word, but she didn't have the water. She didn't have the spirit to bring that word to life. That's what she was lacking. She was still a virgin. She still had the word of God, but she was lacking the spirit. That's why it says it's the spirit of truth. It's not just a spirit, and it's not just truth. It's both of them coming together, praise be to God, to put you in the middle of the road because you have to have the seed word, and you can only receive it by predestination. Praise be to God that he puts the seed word in you, but then it takes a life to come by and strike that seed to bring it back to life. Now, Hebrews chapter 7. Let's get back on track. Familiar chapter to us all. It's a wonderful chapter. Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 begins to talk about Melchizedek that met Abram or Abraham. It says, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness and king that also, king of righteousness and king that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth the priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, whom, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of all the spoils. Praise be to God. He met him and Abraham recognized who he was. This was the most high God. And then he came, the same one came and blew into a handful of dust and met him on the plains of Mamre and met him there and spoke to him and said, why did Sarah laugh? Why did Abraham talk to, or talk to him and said, called him Elohim? Called him the same one, the same one as Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the king of peace, the king of righteousness, the one with no beginning of days, the one with no ending of days, could come down in the simplicity of just a traveler and talk to him right there. And now if we jump down to verse 11, it says, If therefore perfection, remember perfection's in three stages. And he says, Perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. If it was by that, he says, What further need was there for another priest that should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is, a, a, there is made a necessity, a change also of the law. Amen. So here he's saying, he said, listen, if the Aaronic priesthood was good enough, why would we need another one? Why would Melchizedek had to have been there? Why would we need a high priest? Why would we need Jesus to die for us if that was good enough? But perfection couldn't come by that. There had to be something greater if we jump down to verse 15. It says, and it, was, it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testified, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Our God is good all the time. He's not a priest part-time. He's all the time, forevermore, until he steps off the mercy seat. He is Melchizedek making intercession on our behalf. He says, and now Melchizedek was a priest. 
He says, well, see, here it was. He says, we find out that God in the beginning was a great fountain of spirit. Is that right? He had no birthplace. He had no dying place. He had no beginning of days, no ending of years. He was just eternal as eternity is eternal. There's a statement for you. He says, eternal as eternity is eternal. He is eternal life. Amen. He never was born. He never did die. You know, the word eternal would not exist without God. Because he is the definition of eternal. Now, we need to go over with the Revelations. Revelations chapter, start in chapter 4. We're just laying some foundation in here and then we'll kind of pick it all up together. So, stay with me. Amen. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 3 says, And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne was four and twenty seats. And, the, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, all of these things, he says there's lightnings and there's thunders and there's voices that every, every message that comes from God comes straight from the throne of God. It doesn't just come from somewhere and someone. It says, out of the throne of God, preceding thunders, mysteries, preceded lightnings, preceded voices, preceded things coming out. But now in the next verse, it says also that there were the seven before the throne, which were the seven spirits of God. Now, if we go down to chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. As it had been slaying, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Amen. This is just another one where he says, listen, he comes down, he's got a lamb, he's got seven horns, it's got seven eyes, which Brother Brown would take that, said seven horns, that's seven churches, that's for his protection. And seven eyes, seven seers, which are the seven spirits. Of God, which go forth into all the world. Jump down or go back now to chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 9. It says, And I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, in the kingdom of the patience of Jesus Christ was in, the, was in the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. He was there for a purpose. He says, And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet and saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia and Ephesus and Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. 
And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. And his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass, and as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth, went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he said, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which, thou, which, which are and the things which will be hereafter. And the mystery of the seven stars which thou seest in my right hand. And the seven golden candlesticks and the seven stars of the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which which thou sawest are the seven churches. Amen. Amen. That's a lot of reading and it's a lot in there, but we're talking about now God unveiled, the Father unveiled through the ages. As he begins to unveil himself. I, I was just in awe this morning as I was listening to Brother Ed speaking and he began to speak about just take the first little bit of each of each. Uh, church age, the first scripture there, and amazing how God unveils himself, how it puts a description to it, and he took three, uh, Revelation 3 and 14, and the beginning of the creation of God, and there's so much to it, he didn't know, last night I was sitting in my office, or yesterday morning, sorry, and that's exactly what I was studying, so I, just, I was just standing in awe in the presence of God, saying, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here, but yesterday morning I said, Lord, I don't know why I'm going this direction, because he put something else on my heart a week before, but now he's got me going this way, so... This is for you. He says this, and now listen, seven horns, seven eyes, seven spirits, seven candlesticks. They're all representing the same thing. See, that this, Brother Branham says also this. He says, so we see that the seven spirits actually refer to one spirit of God working out the will and the word of God in different generations. Yeah. Amen. He would say in other places. Uh, let's just get into it here. This is in uh, Hebrews chapter 7, I believe he's. Yes, Hebrews chapter 7. Where he says, and in there we find out that they had seven varieties of spirit. Is that right? The Bible says in Revelation that the seven spirits before the throne of God, the seven manifold, seven spirit. We find out there's seven colors. There's seven church ages. How it runs, seven is complete. God is complete. Seven spirits. And those spirits are perfect. The first was the color red, perfect love, redemption. And now we find he's talking about the rainbow. There's seven colors. In the rainbow, there's seven churches. There's seven candlesticks, seven spirits, seven eyes, seven horns. It's God completion, God perfect. It says to give these colors to show what each one of these colors represents God's purity. Oh my, we, he says he's not even going to have time to really get into that. And I'm not going to have time to get into the colors either. But he says this, to take the color red, we take the first colors red. What is red? Red is one sign of danger. Red is a sign of redemption. 
He says, if you look at red through red, what color is it? It's white. That's correct. He says, so when the red color was shed to cover the red sin, God looking through the blood looked at your sin and it becomes white. He says, a believer can't sin. Certainly not. The seed of God, the blessings of God remain on him. God can't see nothing but the blood of his own son. No matter what it is in his church, what it is, God don't see it because Jesus is making intercessions constantly the high priest. Though after the order of Melchizedek, amen, that he ascended on the right hand of God making intercessions on our behalf. It says no way for him to sin when such a sacrifice is lying there like that. Certainly not. He says now if you say, well, that gives me a good chance. Now he says, listen, you'll appreciate that if you're a real Christian, you'll love that. To a place where sin would haunt you till you couldn't do it. For the seed of God remains in him. He cannot sin. He says, once purged by the blood of Jesus has no more desire to sin. If you have a desire to sin, your heart is not right with God. Amen. Now he carries on a little bit more in that vein, but we'll skip a couple of paragraphs. Just jump to something for sake of time, not to skip anything important. If you want to go read it when you do, it's in Hebrews chapter 7 and 1957. And he says this, he says, and he jumps down and to, to balance, he says, I have no holiness to present to him, but I'm trusting in his, oh, his grace that I have in my heart. I've unmerited it, nothing I could do to deserve it, but by grace he called me and invited me to come, and I looked to him. He took the desire away from me. I make thousands of mistakes in each month. In each year, surely I do. But when I see him, when I see I'm wrong, I say, God, I didn't mean to do it. You know my heart. I didn't even mean to do that. I was trapped into that. I didn't mean to do it. You forgive me, Lord. If I've done wrong to my brother, I say, God, brother, you forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. Certainly God knows my heart. He says, oh, there's the blood sacrifice. There's the power of the gospel, the holy church moving on, not because something you've done. It's something that you had nothing to do with. There is the atonement. Amen. Then he jumps back into Melchizedek. He says, how this Melchizedek comes forth. And then he jumps back into something else. Again, this is all in the same quote, right in line, where he jumps back and forth. It's like he's trying to get somewhere, but God keeps intersecting him. And it's wonderful. It's for our benefit. He says, I want to tell you another thing. You take a three-cornered piece of glass, a prism. You take a piece of glass that has three corners. You lay it so the sun can hit it. It'll produce seven perfect colors. He says, oh, a three-cornered piece of glass will produce a rainbow. That's exactly right. He says, now if we had time to go into it. But three brings perfection. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Spirit. There you are. The perfection come by the three. God above man. God in the man called Jesus. And God in the church. Then the perfection. Catch that. He says, perfection comes in three. He says, it's God above, God in the man, Jesus, then God in the church, then the perfection. 
The man sinned as long as God was up here in the pillar of fire. God, or, or sorry, man sinned rather before God as long as God was in the pillar of fire because he was still an unclean creature. Animal blood laid over him. Man, that was the way it was with the Jews in the Old Testament. They would come, it was an animal sacrifice. They were still a sinful man. As long as God remained up there, there was no sacrifice that he could make as come down. He had to come down and take flesh form and take our form and had to take sin upon himself to die for us. But before that happened, he was just up in the pillar of fire. He was great Jehovah God. And he was revealing himself. He said, as long as you keep my commandments, I'll do many, many things and I, I, won't, I won't allow these diseases to come on you. He made many promises to the children of Israel as Jehovah God. But he was still up there and he was still a sinful man down here covered by nothing more than the blood of bulls and goats. But in that he revealed himself in seven ways or in seven different spirits or the same spirit but seven spirits or seven avenues of God. Where now it's called seven redemptive names of Jehovah. Well the first when he come out in Genesis 22 he came out as Jehovah Jireh. Amen, where, where he provided for himself when Abraham went up to sacrifice his son. But he said, God will provide himself a lamb. And then out of nowhere, out of absolutely nowhere, up on a mountain, there was a ram caught in a thicket that I'm sure they'd looked at that thicket moments before and there was nothing there. Because God provided himself because he is Jehovah, the creator God, able to provide himself a sacrifice. So he made himself known in that way. He was still Jehovah. They still had to slay that lamb to cover their sin. It wasn't that all of a sudden the sacrifice was made, but he was unveiling himself that I'm able to provide all of your needs. Amen. And he came in another way in Exodus 15 as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Praise be to God. In, the, in, in Exodus chapter 15, he revealed himself in that way where he said this. He says, I, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all the statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am able to keep you healthy. I am able to make sure that none of these diseases come upon you. I am able that if you'll just look to the serpent, look up and live. I'm able to heal. There was no medicine for that. It was nothing more than a brass serpent, a symbol. But God said, I'm able. I'm Jehovah Rapha. What was he doing? It was Father God unveiling himself in a greater way to his family. Then he came just a couple chapters later after they had victory over the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 15. And he revealed himself as Jehovah Nissi. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi, which is our banner or our victory. He's God, our banner. He is our victory. He's the one that won the victory. It wasn't the children of Israel being great fighters. They were unlearned, untrained. They were nothing more than mud daubers that had no training against an army of barbarians that did nothing but train for war. But Moses recognizes this and says, he's Jehovah Nissi. He's our banner. He's the one that gave us the victory. Oh, worship him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Then he comes down in Judges, Judges chapter 6 and verse 24 to Gideon. And Gideon built an altar unto the Lord and called the place Jehovah Shalom, which is in this day yet 
which this day, unto this day, is yet in Ophra of the Abiezrites. Now, this is, this is to me is an absolutely striking time for, for, for God to come down and, and for uh, Gideon to recognize, I believe, our revelation that this is Jehovah Shalom. Because what happened in this chapter, what happened in this chapter is he came down and said, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon was hiding in a wine press threshing wheat, right? He was cowardly threshing wheat, really. And there he was, scared of the, of the Midianites and hiding in this way. And he says, thou mighty man of valor. And he said, I'm going to use you to deliver the children of Israel. And here God, or, or Gideon begins to recognize, this is Jehovah Shalom. This is Jehovah, the God of peace. He's bringing peace to my people. Amen. That there has to be a battle, but he's bringing peace. Then he comes down in Psalms chapter 23 and reveals himself as Jehovah Ra, our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, capital L-O-R-D. The Lord God, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil. Why? He's my shepherd. His rod and thy, thy rod and thy staff, they shall comfort me. There's something beyond. The sheep isn't scared as long as it's with the shepherd. Praise be to God. It has the shepherd for protection. Amen. David was a good example of that when as long as the sheep were with him, they were safe because he was trusting in the Lord that when a lion came and took a sheep, he slew the lion. When a bear came, he slew the bear. Why? Because the sheep were trusting in the shepherd. Amen. Praise be to God. Amen. And Jesus, God said, that's a man after my own heart. You think he'd let a bear take you? You think he'd let a lion take you? He said, oh, they come in as wolves dressed in sheep clothes. And you think he let them hurt his elect? He's a good shepherd. Amen. Then he comes down in Jeremiah 23, reveals himself as Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Praise be to God. And then he comes down in, in Exodus or Ezekiel, sorry, 48 and 35. He says, I am Jehovah Shammah, the Lord that is present, the Lord that is with you. I am present with you. I want to carry on in this quote, the same quote I was in before in Hebrews chapter 7, where he says, Then the Lamb of God came. The first one, as we talked about, was God. His first dispensation, he was up to God above. He was in the pillar of fire, different things. But he says, then there came another one. The Lamb of God came. A second definite step of God. Same God, another office. Amen. Jesus was another God. No, it was the same God. Then this God was in Christ. Was the same God that was in the pillar of fire. The same one that appeared to Moses. The same one that came down and appeared to the children of Israel. The same one that came down on the mountain. There was thunders and lightnings and earthquakes, all these things. The same one came down in body and flesh. Amen. Praise be to God. The same God that was made flesh and dwelt among us. And the man... And then man made fun of him. He said it was still accountable for it because there was no blood shed yet. That's right. But Jesus said, oh, he was so much the Lamb of God. Before he even shed his blood, he said, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you, but don't speak against the Holy Spirit when he comes. He says, but then 
The same one that was made flesh became in the pillar of fire again. I come from God, I go to God. Here we find Paul meeting him on the road to Damascus, the same pillar of fire that was in, that came out of God, the same Logos that came out, the same one that met him on the road to Damascus. The same one that was Father above all, came down into flesh, went back to God, came down as a pillar of fire and appeared to a man. We find Peter meeting him in the jail. The same pillar of fire. Certainly we see him today among us, the same pillar of fire. The same one that was photographed with the prophet today. Not a different pillar of fire. Nothing's changed. It's the same pillar of fire. Praise be to God. And he says, just the perfection has come to the place that's in the middle person. He says, now, if there happens to be a Jew here, he says, there's somebody understand. He said, prove it. He says, let me show you. He says, I haven't got the Old Testament with me right now. I've got the New Testament. He says, but in the offering of the showbread that was lying on the kosher plate, in the Jewish sacrifice, at the cleansing of the tabernacles, he says, ask any Jew on these three pieces of bread. The middle piece was broken. He said, that was Christ. The middle piece had to, was, was broken. Christ, the in-between, showed that there had to be a breaking somewhere for redemption. That there was that, and that piece was considered redemption on the kosher bread. And here he is, and tonight when we take the communion, we break the kosher bread, for it is the body of Christ. He was broken at Calvary to be a perpetuation for our sin. That through his righteousness, we might become his righteousness. Because he became our sin that we might become his righteousness. Brother, that's purely grace. There's no way, any other way that you could justify it. There ain't one of us that can look and say, oh, I'm, I'm somebody, I'm this, I'm that. No, it's just purely grace that God would come down and he would allow himself to be crushed, to go as the in-between, the mediator, Melchizedek, that would stand there and offer and, and make intercession for us. There's a go-between, so it's no longer now, I will pray the Father for you, that he'll send a comfort, but now he says, I'm not going to pray for that anymore. You, the Father himself, will love you. Because I've acted now as a go-between where now there's a communication through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, if you have your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter 2. Because this is just absolutely phenomenal to me because God... He unveiled himself through the Old Testament. Every scripture I brought out with the seven redemptive names of, Je- of, of, of Jehovah, which is also the seven redemptive names of Jesus Christ. But we find that in that, that was all in the Old Testament. But then Jesus, all of those applied to Jesus. And Jesus was, he was their victory. He was our banner. He was our shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the door. Oh, my, lay a banner over you, beloved. And he began, to, he began to pray. He was Jehovah Jireh. He was able to provide for them. He said, listen, I got, we got taxes to pay. Peter, go cast your line, the first fish you catch. Pull it out. In there you'll find a gold piece. Take it out. What was it? He said, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am providing all of our needs. Praise be to God. 
All of that applied to Jesus, but now in the, in the next dispensation of the Holy Spirit, those seven redemptive names, they don't go away at all. He begins to uh, uh, unveil himself afresh under every redemptive name to every church age because he sends out the seven spirits of God or the seven messengers to seven church ages. And he says this, there's the seven redemptive names of Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. If you go to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1, you find unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now notice this about this characteristic, it's the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Who gave him those stars? Nobody. He had them all along. They were always his. Nobody had to put them in his hand. He always had these stars. And as long as he was there, as long as he was standing in the midst, he had these seven stars in his hands. Because he is God. Praise be to God that he was God the Father. He came down, changed his mask, and now he's changed his mask again. But what's he doing? He's not just a different God or a different person having to transfer from one to another. He's just stepping into his office saying that this is who I am now. I have the seven stars. I am Jehovah Jireh providing for myself the messengers to go out. This, this work of atonement, this work of redemption has nothing to do with us, and it has nothing to do with the seven messengers. Brother Branham didn't have anything to do with the atonement. He was just there to preach the message that God gave him. He was the messenger. God provided it. He had it in his hand. He was one of seven stars. It was Jehovah Jireh provided for himself a messenger. Praise be to God. There was a lot of churches, a lot of denominations, a lot of ones that tried to provide a messenger. That tried to say he's got to come from this school. He's got to have this kind of education. He's got to be able to speak this certain way. But God says, I provide myself one with a seventh grade education from the backwoods of Kentucky that can't speak proper English because I'm providing it, not some human-made intellects. And if you jump down to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 8, we find another description. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last which was dead and is alive. It's phenomenal the order of these scriptures. The first church age, the second, the third. They go perfectly in order with the, with the way that he reveals himself in the Old Testament. I'm Jehovah Jireh. Then the next one he comes out and says, I'm Jehovah Rapha. And here in the very next church age he says, I'm the first and the last. I'm which he which was dead and I'm alive. What does Brother Branham say divine healing is? He says, it's the earnest of the resurrection. He says, I'm the fullness of divine healing right here. I'm Jehovah Rapha. I'm he which was dead and I'm alive forevermore. Amen. Praise be to God. Furthermore, it also fits together. Like I said, we're not going to have time to go into all the colors, but it fits together with the colors of the rainbow. That the first one being red, being Jehovah Jireh, he provided himself an atonement, a sacrifice for redemption. That he's provided the messengers for the church age. The second one now, the second color in the rainbow is orange. And orange is a reflection of red. Divine healing is the earnest of the resurrection. It's the earnest. It's, 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 it's a reflection of what he's already done for us. And the next one now in Revelations 2 and verse 12, 
says unto the angel of the church of Pergamos, write these things, saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. My, the word of God. He's got the sharp sword. What was the next way that he revealed himself as Jehovah? Jehovah Nissi, our banner, our victory. How are you getting your victory today? It's by the word of God because he said so. Because he said I'm more than an overcomer. That's what makes me more than an overcomer. Because he said ask and you shall receive. Because he said all things work together for good. Because he said that I... Uh, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Because he said, not because of me, know the word of God, the sharp two-edged sword. He says, I'm revealing myself still today in the Holy Spirit. I am Jehovah Nissi. I am your banner. Let me be your protection. Let me be your shield. Let me be your all in all. Let me fight your battles for you. That's how he's revealing himself to you. He's saying, listen, I'm the one that fought the battles when you were not equipped properly because you weren't where you should have been. But now you, I have, I'm bringing you to that place and I'm fighting your battles for you. Amen. The word, our victory. Oh, it is our protection. In the very next one, in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 18, it says, Unto the church of Thyatira write these things, saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. Oh my Jehovah, shalom. God, our peace. He said, really, God, our peace is the feet like fine brass and eyes like under fire. Yeah, the same way he appeared to, 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 to Gideon back in the Old Testament and said, you're going to have to fight a battle, but I'm fighting your battle for you. I'm the God of peace. I'm Jehovah Shalom. I'm going to bring peace. I'm going to fight the battle. What happened? He went down and, and heard a dream, and they said, what, what was the dream? A barley cake coming down and crushing the camp. And they said, oh, that's nothing but the sword of the Lord. Yeah. End of Gideon. Or now he comes down and says, "Listen, I am, uh, I am, I got feet like, bro, like, like, uh, like under eyes like under the flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, which fine brass and eyes like fire, which Brother Branham would take in several places." And he says, "That's like he crushes the enemy. He crushes the enemy." Not we. He crushes the enemy. He's the one with feet like fine brass. He crushes it. He stamps it out. Judgment is one. I will recompense. I will repay, saith the Lord. Nothing is hid from him. I am your peace. There's nothing hid from me. There's nothing, no devil, no, no idiosyncrasy, no, com no complex, no nothing can hide from me. Let me be your peace. Oh, the battle is the Lord's. Amen. Furthermore, the color for this one is green, which green represents life, Brother Branham says. He's the preserver of life, our peace. He died so we could have peace and a rest. Jehovah Shalom. If you go down to the next one, which is in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1, Unto the angel of the church in Sardis write these things, saith he, that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Now here he begins to describe himself. In the, in the first church age, the first one he comes and says that I have 
I hold the seven stars. But here he says the seven spirits and the seven stars, which is actually the same thing. It's the seven messengers are the seven spirits of God that go forth into each age. Because we find those seven spirits, but Abraham says, is the same spirit of God coming out and revealing God in each generation. Now, it says this, God is one spirit. Oh, the seven spirits and seven stars in his hand. God, by one spirit, setting forth his attributes, revealed through seven lamps or stars or messengers. What's that saying? That God is calling a bride out of each age by a messenger that he has provided. What's he doing? He's shepherding. He's Jehovah Ra. He's shepherding his sheep back unto himself. He sent out these messengers by the seven spirits for what purpose? To call out a bride. Come out of her, my people. Hallelujah. Our shepherd down amongst the sheep calling out. Where he says this, my sheep know my voice. How are they going to hear him? My sheep know my voice. I'm the one standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, which is the seven church ages. I'm the one knocking in the Laodicea church age. I'm the one calling. I'm the one with the seven stars. I'm the one with the seven spirits. I'm the one that's saying them out. I am that I am. They know my voice. Oh, and the next one, the Philadelphian church age. Are you with me? He says unto the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Jehovah's hid canoe, the Lord our righteousness. Revealing himself in a greater way. Say, I'm still your righteousness. I'm still the one that is holy. I'm the one that is true. I have the key of David. I open no man shut. It closed. No man can open. Oh, his ways are above our way. His righteousness is above ours. Brother Branham would say this in the message of Philadelphian church age. He says, he that hath the key of David, the beautiful phrase, follows and comes out of the preceding phrase, he that is true. In other words, he that is righteous, he that is true, he that's holy. And he says, Christ, the perfect realization contrasted with partial realization. Christ is not partial. He's the perfect realization. He's the perfect revelation of God. He says, here it is. Moses was a prophet of God, but Jesus, like unto Moses, but was the prophet of God. David, a man after God's own heart, was king of Israel. But Jesus is the greater David, king of kings and lord of lords, God, very God. Now David was born of the tribe of Judah, out of whom no priest came. 
Yet he ate of the showbread reserved for the priests. He was a great warrior overcoming the enemy, establishing the people as king. He sat on the throne. He was a prophet. What a wonderful type of Christ. Now it says in Isaiah 22 and 22, and the key of, da the, key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. Whose shoulder? The shoulder of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lay on his shoulder so he shall open and no man shut. He shall shut and no one shall open. Praise be to God. In this scripture, in chapter, in chapter 3 and verse 7, he's just repeating what he already spoke. He's saying, listen, this is how I'm revealing myself now. Well, I'm, I'm fulfilling what Isaiah spoke of me now. I'm revealing myself this way because a prophet saw it, and now I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Where he says the Spirit uses the Old Testament reference concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry in the church. What the key of David signified at that time is mere shadow which is now fulfilled in Jesus standing in the midst of the lampstands. It has to do with the Lord after his resurrection, not his earthly pilgrimage. But what does the key signify? Amen. I think we all actually know the answer to this, or most of us. The answer lies in the position of the key. Amen. It's not in his hand. It's not worn around his neck. It's not placed in the hands of other men. Or the verse could not be saying he alone has the use of that key, for he alone opens and shuts, and no man has the right but Jesus himself. Isn't that right? But where is the key? It's on his shoulder. And what does the shoulder have to do with it? Isaiah 9 and 6 says, And the government shall be upon his shoulder. says, and what does this mean? The answer is this, the phrase, the government upon his shoulder comes from the wedding ceremony of the east when the bride would be committed to the groom. She takes off the veil and places it over the groom's shoulder, signifying that not only is she under his dominion, but she has transferred her rights to him. He is the head, but also that he bears responsibility and the care, and he, and he alone, no one else, no other man, no other power has any right or responsibility and that, beloved, is the key of David. God is sovereign. Yeah. Oh, don't you see it now, church? He's revealing himself, saying, I am fully responsible for the righteousness of my predestinated bride. No wonder he could say, I predestinated one. There will be a virgin word bride at the end time that will stand in the midst of all of the perversion and all of the chaos. Why? Because he's saying, I alone am responsible. No other man can interfere with it. I alone can open the door. And once you've gone through that door and he shut the door, no one can open it again. Oh, God is sovereign. He foreknew by divine decree exactly who would be in his bride. He chose her. She did not choose him. He called her. She did not come on her own. He died for her. He washed her in his blood. He paid the price for her. She belongs to him and to him alone. Take that, devil. She belongs to him and him alone. You don't belong to the devil. It doesn't matter what kind of condemnation he puts on you. What he says about your past, you don't belong to him. You don't even belong to you. He is the one person responsible that you're going to be there on that day when he calls, when he pulls the scarlet thread, when he pulls it up and he says time shall be no more. He's responsible that you're going to be there. Oh, hallelujah. 
The only one that could die, the lamb, perfect lamb, and take all of our sin and say, I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. Nothing else could kill me. Oh, he may have created Lucifer, a worthy adversary in the beginning. He may have created him, the angel, above all the other angels, but not even Lucifer. Not even Lucifer, who could deceive a third of the angels, can't touch you. Because you're predestinated by God. Praise be to God. And you are a word bride that you too will speak the word. You too will prophesy again. You too are waiting for what? His command. That's exactly what it is to be a virgin word bride. Not trying to take some ideas here and some creeds there and some dogmas there and say, this sounds good, that sounds nice. But until he says it, I will not move. How's he going to say it today? How's he going to say it today? How's the bridegroom speaking today? the word of God going forth today there'll be a bride and what's she saying the same thing the same thing the spirit said the same thing the prophet said oh there'll be a shout a voice and a trump of God at the coming of the word to perfect the word bride to carry her away that's how she'll be him oh we ain't even got to the best part yet Oh, he alone is responsible for the righteousness of your predestination. Oh, I love it. Brother Brown would say predestination, what does it point to? It points to adoption. I'm so happy for that. Predestination doesn't just point to a new birth. So I predestinate you to a new birth. No, that's the start. So I predestinated you all the way to adoption. I'm not just going to leave you with just a portion of myself, with just a little bit. I'm going to make sure you get all the way so that your word is as good as my word. Right to the point where you can say, I can do nothing but what the Father shows me. Right to the point where what Jesus is talking about, I will no longer say, I'll pray the Father for you. Because the Father loves you. Oh, hallelujah. Even so, the bride is happy that he is her Lord. He speaks and she obeys, for that is her delight. Oh, saints, we're all at different places in our walk. We're all at different points where someone can say, oh, I've only come so far. I'm only at justification, only at sanctification. I'm only just got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm just understanding this. I'm just understanding that. Don't worry about it. Just take that one portion right there and say, Lord, to obey you, that's what makes me happy. Because full obedience to the word of God entitles you to the token. Now let's go to our day. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. He says, And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. 
Oh. What's the last one? He reveals himself. I am Jehovah Shammah. I am the Lord that is present. I am the Lord that is with you. I am with you. I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. I'll be there for you. I'm with you. I stand amongst my church receiving all the glory. He's the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God and the amen. But the Bible says the amen stands for finality. It's the finishing. It's the so be it. It's the end of it all. I'm the amen. And I'm the beginning of the creation of God. In other words, I'm the one that started the work. I'm the one that will finish the work. I'm the one that was in the beginning. And I'm going to make sure that I'm responsible that I am the amen as well. That as the son came and he revealed himself as the son of God. And he came down. Oh, that he was there and he came down to, to Abraham and he spoke to Abraham and said, why did Sarah laugh? Where's Sarah, thy wife? She's in the tent where? Behind you, right? We all know the message very well. Behind you. Why did she laugh? He deceived. She laughed what? Within herself. He never heard a thing out here. But she, she laughed within herself. Just like that. Yeah. Not a sound. Nothing. Not even a mimic. Nothing. But she laughed within herself. Me? And he perceived the thoughts of her heart. Because he was the word, which is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And then he came down in the sun, and what did he do? He went to the woman at the well, right? And he, and he began to get in contact with what? Her spirit. And he began to discern in her spirit and say, oh, yes, you've said, right, you've had five husbands, and the one you live with now, he's not your husband. Oh, so I perceive you're a prophet. We know when the Messiah comes, he'll do these kinds of things. I am he. He just speaks very plainly to her. He hadn't yet even really spoken that way to his disciples yet. But here he comes in John chapter 4 at the beginning of his ministry. He says, I am he. Uh, my time is come. I'm the same one that appeared to, to Moses. I'm the same one that spoke lip to ear with him. I'm the same one that appeared to Abraham. I am he. And now he's coming down. And he's come down today through the message of Brother Branham. I was listening to who is, the, who is this Melchizedek on the way here. Where Brother Branham just turns and right behind him. He just turns. I think it's Brother West. I could be wrong. I think it's Brother West. So behind him. And he says, oh, look at that. Just like Elohim, right? Do discern the thoughts of her heart behind him. What's he done? Prove that he is again Jehovah Shammah. I am God with you. I'm present. That wasn't William Branham. That wasn't a man standing there discerning art. That was God himself coming down, revealing and showing, I am again here exactly the way I was when I was in my corporal body. I'm again here. Oh, praise be to God. I am the omega, I am the amen, I am the alpha, I am the beginning. I'm standing present in the midst of my bride. John 14, 20 says that, that day you shall know I am in my Father and ye in me and I am in you. Amen. Praise be to God, not in anybody else, nobody else is in there. And he says this, at that day your sorrow shall be turned to joy. At that day. Why? When it's the Father in you. When it's I and you and me and I and you. At that day your sorrow shall be turned to joy. At that day you shall ask anything in my Father's name. He will give it to you. For the Father himself loveth you. Why? Because he loves the Son. It's the Son in you. It's not that he's so in love with your flesh that's making mistakes all day. No, he's in love with himself in you. Living out through you. Oh, 
For the Father himself loveth you. It's no longer the Father looking down on a black world of sin. But it's oh, but it's the Father having revealed himself through the ages, through his Son, Jesus Christ, in a many-membered body filled with his Spirit. Jehovah himself loves you. It was the compassion of the Father unveiling himself, revealing himself, revealing the Son through the Spirit. They didn't, when Jesus was here, they did not understand who he was. They didn't catch it till after he rose again. Even then, they were so in awe of it, they're just looking up to heaven like, now what? Till finally, two angel messengers came down and said, go and tarry ye in Jerusalem. Go do as he said. What was it? They, they didn't really know what to do until what came? How did they know what to do? Who opened the door? He said, oh, Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom. All he's doing is foretelling, saying, Peter, you're the one that's going to say it. But it won't really be you saying it. It's going to be me saying it through you. Because he alone could open the door. He alone could shut the door. He alone has the key. He alone has the government upon his shoulder. He alone is responsible for who makes it and who doesn't. He alone. Nobody else. He alone. So when Peter got up on the day of Pentecost, I got the keys of the kingdom. He stood up under what? Under the anointing of the same Jesus that was there before. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit spoke through him in 18 different languages and said, repent and be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, the mission of sinners, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise be to God. Who was saying it? It wasn't Peter. It was the Holy Ghost saying it. Oh, it's the compassion of the Father saying, I am your provider today. I am your healer. I am your banner. I am your peace. I am your shepherd. I am your righteousness. I am with you even in you to the end of the world. And here you go, brother. This is right out of the message, the deity of Jesus Christ, 1949. And he says, and brothers and sisters, the deity is in you. A little while the world seeth me no more, yet you shall see me. For I'll be with you even in you to the end of the age. Christ in a manger? No, Christ in you. Hallelujah. You're not worshiping Christ in a manger. We're not worshiping like they did when the wise men came. He's two years old. We're not worshiping like the shepherds in a manger. We're worshiping something. We're worshiping God. We're not worshiping Christ in a manger, but Christ in you, the Holy Ghost, the hope of glory, the hope of life, the creator, God himself dwelling in the human being. It doth not appear what we shall be, but we shall see him as he is. For we'll be made like him, oh, the spirit in the human being. Hallelujah. That's in 1949. He begins saying that. Way before the seals were ever opened. Way before he preached invisible union. Way before he preached marriage and divorce. Way before he preached a paradise. Way before all those things, he comes and says, it's got to be this way. Why? Because he was provided by the Father. I am Jehovah Jireh, providing you a messenger that has a message so that you can say amen and amen. Be it unto me according to thy word, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet and give him worship. Be it unto me according to thy word, Lord. Oh, praise be to God. Not by anything that I've ever done, because he's already done it. Hallelujah. Oh, praise be to God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. Glory be to God. The place I go, you know. And the way to get there, you know. Why? Because he sent a messenger. He provided the guide map. He provided a guide that was here himself, guiding you, leading you to himself. Whew. Praise be to God. Oh, doesn't he love you? You're his bride. You're the one he predestined and said, that one won't fall. He said, oh, but I make mistakes every day. Oh, I sure do make mistakes every day. Oh, I need the blood of Jesus Christ every day. I need to call, I need to cry out to him every morning, every night. Say, Lord, I die daily. I need to lay myself down more often than even I do. But even in all of that, he's making sure. He's responsible. That somehow, in some way, I'm going to make it. Oh, hallelujah. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, more than enough for me. Why don't you just raise your hands to him and sing this little chorus. Jehovah Jireh, you're my Yeah. 